Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Goat, your host Josh here. And yesterday, what a season finale to the regular season of NFL. Just epic games back and forth. The San Francisco 49ers, LA Rams, the Chargers and the Raiders. Just a bunch of eight great games. To me, what the NFL imagined the season finale to be when they added this extra game in week is, hey, this better be worth it. And it was worth it to me. Easily, by far, the best week of the NFL season and the best day of 2022 so far was yesterday. And then a couple of expected coaching fires, general manager fires, and one surprising one that I will be getting into. My top five teams through the regular season, 18 weeks are done. Who are my top five? Then moving on to the NBA, Clay Thompson has returned. How did he look in his first start yesterday? What does that mean for the Warriors moving forward? My NBA top five, and then I am doubling down on my college football prediction for tonight. So let's get started. Week 18, I'm going to start with what to me was game of the year by far because of just all the action and, you know, what it meant, what could happen. That was Sunday night football, best for last, game of the year for me, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. I came into this game thinking anything could happen, anything. I know the Las Vegas Raiders point differential going into this game. Uh, Chargers were a better team. I thought the Chargers would eke out a field goal and win this game, and it went the other way. And just to set some backstory for this game, you needed to win to make the playoff, but you could still tie, and both teams could make the playoffs. So it was a rough start for the Las Vegas or for the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, uh, punt issue, and then you know a three and out. So first quarter ends, and it's ten zero Raiders, and the Chargers looked nervous. Didn't look like they knew really what they were doing at all in this game to start off. And I thought, you know, is the moment too big for Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, and the Chargers offense? Then they answer back in the second quarter. Austin Eckler, phenomenal in this game. Uh, gets two touchdowns, a rush, a pass. It's 14-10. However, the Raiders get a late score before half. And it's 17-14 Raiders going in to halftime. And you got 30 minutes left. You're thinking, could they tie? This game is close. Third quarter, not a lot of action. 2014. Raiders. Now here's when it starts to get interesting. Fourth quarter, 2014 Raiders. Raiders score, get a touchdown. It's 26-29 Las Vegas. They go for the two-point to make it, you know, 28-14. However, they do not get it. They do not get it. It's 26-14 Las Vegas. Chargers get the ball back. Uh, Not a great kickoff. Uh, return. They have it at like their own eight yard line. And then what do they have to do? They get to the third and one. 
It's at the 18. They run the ball with Eckler. He gets stuffed. They decide to go for it. The Chargers go for it. Fourth and one. At their own 18. Their own 18. It's fourth and one. And what do they do? They do the same exact play that got stuffed on third and one. They run inside. And it gets stuffed again. Now is that insanity? Something that just didn't work? You try doing it again? Expecting different results? And guess what? Uh, It does not work for them. So, Raiders get the ball at the Chargers' 18-yard line. That was the first stupid mistake Brandon Staley made last night. And ultimately, it didn't prove that costly, but it was still one you don't make. I get going for it on fourth down, uh, fourth and one, but it's your own 18. Uh, That, to me, seems a bit much. So, your defense holds them to a field goal, and it's 29-14. to But guess what? There's only eight minutes left. Uh, Chargers, you know, going down, taking some time. They get a touchdown, and they get the two-point. They go for the two-point there, and that's another big debate. Do you go for two, you get it, and you don't worry about it? Or if you don't get it, now you know you have two more scores, or do you possibly wait, you know, to get it until the end and then see, you know, if you get the two-point. They go for the two and they get it. It's 29-22. The defense has to stop the Raiders. They do. They have two minutes, six seconds to get a touchdown. And let me tell you, this felt like the longest two minutes and six seconds of my life. This was a crazy uh, 19-play touchdown drive. 83 yards. It took two minutes, 19 plays. They convert on fourth down like three or four times in that the final one to, you know, to get the touchdown uh, or, you know, to get it to Mike Williams. Then, you know, a great catch by Guyton. And it is just insane uh, that they score a touchdown with no time left remaining. Not a second on the clock. Of course, you have to make the extra point, And they do. So we're going into overtime. And in overtime, Chargers get the ball or Raiders get the ball first. They kick a field goal. Chargers get the ball. They have to answer with another drive of their own. You know, they have to complete it on fourth and nine. They do yet another fourth down uh conversion and on fourth down, they were six of seven last night, the Chargers. The one they didn't get was the one on their own 18-yard line that they couldn't get one yard. I mean, they could get complete fourth and nine, fourth and ten. But fourth and one, they could not get. However, it does not mean anything because, or it means something because they can drive down, get the field goal. Chargers are tied 32 apiece, you know. Now there's four minutes left. And what do you do? The drive's taking long. We got to pass to the two-minute warning. And there's about two minutes left on the clock. Both teams have, you know, their timeouts. Uh, And the Raiders run the ball. 
and they use all 40 seconds of the play clock again. They run it again. So you're thinking, do they just want to go for the tie because, you know, uh, they won the game. And even the coach, Viscaccia, after the game said, hey, you know, we were thinking about the tie. We didn't want to do anything stupid, but we were going to run the ball and see if they were to tie. And what does Brandon Staley do? Calls a timeout. Calls a timeout uh, for the Raiders to get more situated. He says he wanted to bring on a better rush defense. And then Josh Jacobs opens up like a 15-yard run for a first down. They're in field goal range now that is much easier. You know, 47, not like a 60. They kick the field goal and win the game. Brandon Staley, you know, had a lot of good play calls and play designs last night. But he had a lot of stupid ones. The fourth and one, which ultimately didn't cost them. But in hindsight, you could say, hey, do we pump this? You know, they don't get that field goal. We could win the game in regulation. That was dumb. And then that timeout at the end. And the fact that you had still one left and you didn't even decide to ice the kicker there at the end because, you know, he was perfect on the field goals. Uh, I had a feeling that last one would get knocked in. And you lose the game. You had to just play for a tie. And you couldn't even do that, Brandon Staley. I know you want to win the game. Our goal is to win the game. But a tie is just as good as winning because you still get guaranteed a postseason. Still an epic game last night that was back and forth. You know, but 19-play drive. I mean, hands down, Justin Herbert was great. 64 pass attempts, 383 yards, three touchdowns. Mike Williams, nine receptions, 119 yards. I mean, it's just a bummer when the guys leave it all on the field. And you have a dope like Brandon Staley make a couple of bad decisions that cost your football team the game. And that's ultimately what Brandon Staley did. Biscacci, the interim head coach for the Raiders, did not get in his own way, let the players play. And they won the game. That's what happens when you don't micromanage and make stupid decisions like Brandon Staley, thinking you're some great coach, which evidently you're not because you have the talent and you go 9-8. and eight. I mean, this is just bittersweet uh, for them to lose a game in this fashion. So Raiders move on to the playoffs. Chargers stay back, stay home. Tampa Bay and Carolina. Just a great day game, great day, great game for the GOAT. Uh, Tom Brady, to me, cemented his MVP case yesterday. Panthers had the number two defense in terms of total yards allowed. What do the Bucks do? Well, they have 409 total yards, 324 passing yards by Tom Brady, three touchdowns, Scotty Miller, Using him like Debo Samuel out of a backfield got a rushing touchdown. Tom Brady got Gronk. His incentives, Gronk, seven receptions, 137 yards. He scored 41 points on the number two uh, defense and had, you know, 400 yards. Give Tom Brady the MVP. This game was perfect because what it did to me is I thought this game was going to be close. And it was close through... Uh, halftime, three quarters, you know, 10-7 Tampa Bay, 17-10 after the third quarter. And Tom Brady 
lit a fuse, went crazy, went goat mode with Mike Evans, with Scotty Miller, with Gronk, and it was just great showing, hey, we don't need A.B., but Chris Godwin can still come back to haunt us, but we don't need A.B. I'm fine throwing to Gronk, to Bray, to Evans, Scotty Miller, and doing different play designs. We're going to make this work, and we're going to win this game. That's exactly what Tom Brady did, what Tampa Bay did. This was excellent. They're only going to get healthier, I think, through the playoffs. Leonard Fournette should be able to go. That helps Tom Brady, this offense, out. If you get your defensive stars back, JPP, Shaq Bear, Levante, David, watch out. They play the Eagles. I think that'll be a great first playoff game for the Bucks at home. Uh, tweak again, you know, tweak some things like we did yesterday against Carolina. Get ready, you know, for which will be, you know, the hardcore divisional round playoff in what I think will be another Super Bowl appearance. Arizona and Seattle. What a game, and actually what a letdown for Arizona, because the Rams lose. The Rams lose, so Arizona wins this game. They are the three seed and win the division. However, they let Seattle lose this, or they let Seattle win this game and score 38 points on the Cardinals' defense. 431 yards, and it's surprising to me because Arizona dominated the time of possession by plus 10 minutes. I mean, they didn't turn the football over a lot, except their their uh, uh, muff punt. You know, Seattle you know, had the interception and fumble, which led to Arizona points. I mean, Arizona played a more clean game, except their defense could not stop Rashad Penny. And it's funny because the Lions' defense... You know, couldn't stop Rashad Penny last week. He had 170 yards. And then this week he had 190 yards. And Rashad Penny hasn't been able to do anything against any other defense his whole career. You know, the Lions are acceptable because their defense to me isn't that talented. But the Arizona defense, you let in 190 yards by Rashad Penny. I mean, you don't let Jonathan Taylor get that many yards. You don't let Zeke get that many yards or uh, any other running back, you know, out there, but Sony Michelle or Daryl Henderson or, you know, Dalvin Cook or any of them. But Rashad Penny, you have a chance to win the division. It's a home game right now, and you lose to the Seahawks. The Seahawks, who were 6-10 and 10 going into the day, now you drop to 3-5 and five at home. And it's just embarrassing that the Cardinals started the season 7-0, and 0, we're at the halfway point at 10-2 and two and falter down to 11-6. and six. You know, I thought they'd be 10-7, and seven, but after a 10-2 start, 11-6 and six is an utter disappointment where they could have won the division and they couldn't even do that. You had a 24-17 lead at the third quarter, middle of the third quarter, and you could not seal the deal. Cliff Kingsbury, couple of bad calls, decisions again. I mean, this Cardinals team just finds a way to get in their own way. Again, Cliff Kingsbury, like Brandon Staley, you're not as smart as you think you are. Go out and let the players play. Uh, demoralizing loss for Arizona, who now have to play the Rams instead of the Niners. And to me, the Cardinals match up a lot better with the Niners, who they beat twice this year. Then the Rams were baseball games.
the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins, you know, where you think we were all thinking the Bills were going to beat the Jets, they do. So this kind of New England-Miami game isn't really relevant, maybe except for just Miami not having a losing record. And, you know, Miami plays good. You know, Tua wasn't a world beater, uh, but running back, uh, Duke Johnson was tremendous. The defense for Miami, I thought was good. You know, a pick six, Xavier Howard, and a fumble recovery as well. I mean, I thought this defense was tremendous. And they were ascending in their eight-game win streak, but they beat the Patriots uh, twice because of this. You know, the Patriots drop a playoff spot, and I thought, you know, because of this Dolphins win, they're 9-8. and eight. They started 1-7, and seven, and then they finished 8-1 and one in their final nine games. You know, basically a win away from the Titans to making the playoffs. Or, you know, if we want to say, you know, one other game, they should have won. The Jaguars, which is an embarrassing loss. They lost to the Falcons by two points. So any one of those games with a 1-7 and seven stretch. But I thought they fought back hard in the second half of the season. And I'll talk about... Something else revolving the Miami Dolphins in a few minutes. But New England, this is not a way to finish your season where you were red hot and then your last final games, you lose three of your four final games. You were number one in the division, number one in the conference, but you lose three of your last four. And you're kind of reeling there with Mac Jones at your quarterback. San Francisco and L.A., L.A. needs to win uh, their division if Seattle wins. Uh, But like I just said, Arizona lost. So Rams clinch the division. However, uh, the Rams win. They're the two seed. They lose. They are the four seed because the Cowboys have already won. They have a better conference record. And the Bucs won. They would have a better record. So the Rams start red. Or yeah, the Rams start red hot. They're up 17-0. to You know, Matt Stafford is just slinging the ball to Higby, to Cup. You know, it's great. Uh, he starts out of the gate like 13-14 of 14 or something ridiculous like that. They look good. Uh, then, you know, they give the ball back to the Rams right before half. They kick a field goal and it's 17-3. And you're like, hey, maybe we didn't finish, you know, these last four minutes good. But the rest of the game, the 26 minutes... Was great. We were flying high. Sean McVay running out, which I disdain. I can't stand when he goes to the end zone uh, to go and congratulate his players and start to celebrate with the team. It's like, you didn't do anything. Matthew Stafford made a terrific throw. Higby with a terrific catch. What are you doing just running up and down? I think the ref should do something more involved because, you know, coaches run or get him a sideline any other time. It's a flag, but I'm that. It's okay. And I'm like, maybe it's going to come back to bite you, Sean. And yes, it did. The Rams then, uh, you know, were terrific. Or the 49ers were terrific in the second half to open the drive. That was exactly what I thought what the 49ers were going to do, what they had trouble doing in the first half, running the football play action. For some reason, second or third quarter started, and it decided to work out. They open in with like a 14-play drive, the first 10 plays all rushing. Elijah Mitchell is just carrying the rock 
Debo Samuel as well. I mean, the holes they are able to create and find, it's like he should be stopped for a zero loss, but the Rams, terrible rush defense, can't tackle. I saw Leonard Floyd miss tackles. Aaron Donald's the only one down there that can do something. So you have Debo get the touchdown on that drive. The defense stops the Rams. Then the 49ers answer again. Great chick play. Debo throws a touchdown to Jawan Jennings. Jalen Ramsey bites on it, and it's 17-17. And all the momentum's with the 49ers. The Rams get stopped again. Now it's the 49ers' drive to kind of go in there, get the kill. They're driving, and Jimmy G throws an interception, which I'm not going to put 100% on him. His head was hit during the throw, which should have been, you know, uh, roughing the passer. So you have that, you know, that happens to him. And they don't call it, which usually they call in all those situations, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets that call 10 times out of 10. Tom Brady, you know, even Ben Roethlisberger gets that call. Uh, But Jimmy G doesn't. He's frustrated. I'm frustrated because that means Jalen Ramsey gets that interception. And Rams drive down, get the touchdown with two minutes left. And now Jimmy G, with his broken thumb, has to operate a two-minute drill. And he does so brilliantly. Uh, mixing the run, he's thrown to Ayuk. Ayuk, great game, 107 yards. And they go down, get the touchdown, blown coverage by the Rams. Uh, the 49ers, you know, have the momentum still. It's 24-24, and we're going into overtime. Rams get the ball, or 49ers get the ball first. They kick a field goal on the drive. Now they just have to hold the Rams. And let me tell you, that stadium was rocking with 49ers fans. The communication, they couldn't communicate, which is sad because it was a Rams game, uh, home in L.A., and they couldn't do it. And Matthew Stafford forces a throw deep down there, underthrows it terribly, picked off by Ambry Thomas to seal the game. I mean, Matt Stafford, critical interception that you cannot do. I don't care. That he is, you know, second in touchdowns at 41. He was tied for the league in interceptions at 17 with Trevor Lawrence. 17 interceptions, so many of them in the second half of the stretch. That is something he has to cut down on is those interceptions. Cost him the two, three seed. Now they have the four seed. Jets and Buffalo. Buffalo won that game as expected. Uh, 27 to 10 wasn't really pretty to start out. You know, it was 13 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, but Buffalo came on. You know, I think they're a complete team. You know, that has some problems. You know, they're a top five offensive team, defensive team, but still, their defense, rush defense, is still a little suspect for me. What else did you have? New Orleans and Atlanta. New Orleans had to win. San Francisco had to lose to get into the playoffs. Well, the 49ers win, so the Saints were eliminated. However, that was not the Saints' mindset. They thought, you know, we're going to win this game no matter what. And, you know, we're going to play our way in and just hope, you know, that the 49ers lose. 
Well, the Saints came out red hot in this game as well. Opened to a 24-6 to lead. Eventually it was 30-13. to You know, they won 30-20. to uh, They opened up a lot. You know, the Simeon path, uh, Trevor Simeon uh, throw to uh, Quan Smith. That was great. Taysom Hill was efficient. Kamara carried the rock 30 times for 146 yards. That's what I thought the game plan was going to be. Atlanta could not stop them rushing the ball. You know, the Saints had more rushing yards than passing yards. By 20, 195 rushing yards to 174 passing yards. That's a way for the Saints to win games when Jameis Winston's not in. And it worked yesterday. And let me tell you, I'm happy that they lost because this is not a team I wanted the Bucks to see in the first round. So, New Orleans... Great win yesterday. You come up just short of a playoffs, but you were 9-8 and eight and got close, you know, with your number one quarterback being down. Tennessee and Houston. Kansas City won on Saturday, but so Tennessee had to win to have the number one seed. And first half, 21-0 Titans. 21-0. Ryan Tannehill is slinging it down the field. And Tennessee isn't going to have any of this business with the Texans trying to upset them like they did earlier in the year. Or at least so we think. Houston then scores 18 unanswered points. And it's 21-18. And I'm thinking to myself, are they really you know, going to give this up? Uh, nope. Tennessee answers with a touchdown. Julio Jones, his only and biggest touchdown of the season happens right there. It's 28-18. to Houston answers again with a touchdown. You have four minutes left to kill the clock. Ryan Tannehill, sensational on that drive. And just in this game, last time he had four interceptions. This game, zero interceptions. Four touchdowns. Flip the script on the... Texans, the defense, you know, gave up in the second half, didn't play as hard. But the Tennessee offense, Ryan Tannehill, bailed out this team, got them the number one seed, the first round by, so that Derrick Henry has an extra week of rest in practice, and then they can play whoever they play in the divisional round, knowing they've got home field through the playoffs in the AFC. Derrick Henry's coming back, the X Factor. I mean, Everything lined up for the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill with a gutsy performance. Just great from him. Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Winner of this game would have a chance if the Colts lost. Colts did lose. So guess what? Both these teams had a shot. And let me tell you, this wasn't the prettiest game. Uh, Tyler Huntley, a few interceptions. Ben Roethlisberger. One of his owns, but it was a classic Steeler Baltimore battle, which I thought would happen. Pittsburgh scores first, then uh, the Ravens answer. It's ten three. It's ten six going in to uh, the fourth quarter. Steelers get a touchdown. They're up thirteen to ten. Baltimore answers with a field goal before the regulation ends. So it's thirteen thirteen. We go into the fourth quarter. And just pure, 
pure insanity. Then ensues thinking about the Colts losing. So the winner of this game has a chance. The Ravens win the toss. Or I think the Steelers lose the toss, my bad. So that means Ravens win. They get down the field. Can't do anything with it. Then the Steelers convert on a third and nine. A third and seven. Another third and seven. That sort of ices this game. And they kick the field goal to win this game. And if you're Baltimore, you have to be sick to your stomach. You were 8-3, and three, and you lost six straight games. 8-3 and three and were the one seed, and you lost six straight games. That cannot happen. John Harbaugh, a lot of that is on you. A lot of the play calls for the you know, two points that you did, uh, it's on you. I mean, you just got to feel sick if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan thinking, what could have been if we got in and Lamar was healthy, you know, another weekend? I mean, bad loss. Ben Roethlisberger now, one last time, you know, gets to go out in a playoff game now. Good for him. Now she gets to experience the playoffs. I mean, we'll see how they fare against the Chiefs next week. Indianapolis and Jacksonville. This is the one I was shocked, and evidently the players were shocked too. Indianapolis wins. They're in the playoffs. They're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 2-14. Worst team in the league. Haven't won a game, you know, in a while. Uh, so you think, we've got a good chance. I know Jacksonville's beat the Colts like the past seven times in Jacksonville. So Jacksonville thinks they have a shot. The Jacksonville Jaguar fans showed up to the game in clown masks, in clown suits, to mock general A manager and owner of the Jaguars. And the Colts made fools of themselves. They just did. Trevor Lawrence never played a better NFL game than this week. Carson Wentz, when the team needed you, when the team needed him, team needed Jonathan Taylor, they were nowhere to be found. The Jacksonville Jaguars, and to me, this just this just what gets me crazy is, you know, the Cardinals beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville, the Colts beat the Cardinals, Colts lose to Jaguars in Jacksonville. It's like all these teams this NFL season's been crazy because it's like one thing happens one week, you expect something to happen similar, then next week, and then the following week, something different happens. I mean, it's been crazy. Colts uh, players were shocked that they were never really in this game. Uh, Jacksonville led the whole game wire to wire. You know, it was 26-3 to before the late touchdown by the Colts to make it 26-11. to I mean, just, just poor, poor, poor play by the Indianapolis Colts, who I thought they get in is going to be a tough out, and they couldn't even make it in to the playoffs, I mean, just embarrassing, Jacksonville still gets the one seed, or my, they don't get the one seed, they get the first pick in the draft, but the Colts just, you know, have to be hard-pressed, and now they have to evaluate, hey, Frank Wright thought he had a good team, he made some bad decisions, but now it's, can Carson wins, you know, it's not, can he win the big games in the playoffs, it's, can he win the big games to get us into the playoffs against Jacksonville? How can I have faith in Carson Wentz to beat Patrick Mahomes 
to beat you know the uh, Titans if they can't even beat the Jaguars. You have to start with baby steps. The smallest step is beating the Jags, which they could not do yesterday to secure a playoff berth. Washington and the New York Giants. This this was sad. I mean, Joe Judge, coach of the Giants, picking on the football team when he has no reason to pick on the team. The football team won 22-7. Uh, and there was one play in particular. It's third and nine. For the Giants at their own like six yard line. It's third and nine. And they do a QB sneak. And I just feel bad. I'm glad I'm not a Giants fan. Or there's any players I like on the Giants that I just feel bad for. I mean, it's, it's just all terrible for the New York Giants. Just It is all terrible. Chicago and Minnesota... Two coaches I expected to get fired. They did, which I'll talk about more in a few minutes. Minnesota gets a win in this game, 31-17. Patrick Peterson, a pick six. You know, they start Andy Dalton in this game. It's like Nick Foles one week, Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton loses the two in a row. You should Maybe you should have kept Nick Foles starting. Uh, but Minnesota gets the win. Of course, his win was in vain uh, because... It was for nothing, nothing to play for. Detroit and Green Bay. What a great game this was. Detroit wins 37-30. to Aaron Rodgers kind of playing the first half. And Detroit's up at half, 17-13. to Knocked Rodgers down a bit, which I thought was good. Uh, started Bakhtiari as well. The Packers did to just give him a feel. But the Lions no quit in them. Dan Campbell, my man... Gave us the fake punt, all sorts of trickery in the passing game as well. Uh, just a brilliant coaching performance uh, by T- Dan Campbell. Back and forth as well. Jordan Love, a couple of bad throws there at the end, but the Lions went 37 to 30. The announcer said, hey, Lions should just take a knee and lose this game so that they get the number one pick since the Colts lost to the Jags. But nope, that was not the case. 30 27 Green Bay. Detroit answers with a touchdown, and then they get the field goal to ice it, win this game. Amon St. Brown, terrific rookie wide receiver. What a steal from USC. I think is a big-time star in the making. You pair him with another you know, wide receiver you can get in this year's draft coming up. I thought Jared Goff was efficient. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, great backfield, great offensive line. To me, this defense... Is not that good. A lot of draft capital should be spent on it. So then you hope for defensive improvements next year. You couple that with the offense that's moving in the right direction, the coaching as well. Then you really just have to evaluate your quarterback in any loose ends the following year. I'm giving Detroit one more rebuilding year, but should be another competitive rebuilding year. Like it was this year, 313-1, but they easily could have made the playoffs, you know, they lose a close game to the Falcons, uh, to the Vikings, a couple to the Bears, a tie with the Steelers, uh, one to the Browns they lost, the Rams. So really, this could have been a playoff team, and they could have given any team a run for their money with, you know, how crazy they play. But Detroit won their game, what was kind of like their Super Bowl. Congratulations to the Detroit Lions. Cleveland-Cincinnati. 
nobody playing in this game, and the Cleveland nobodies won this game. Dallas, Philadelphia. Dallas wanted to go into the playoffs with momentum. Philadelphia not playing their starters. You know, Jason Kelsey plays one snap. Jalen Hurts doesn't play any. Devontae Smith plays first half just to get some yards, uh, break some records. And that's it. Dak Prescott, five touchdowns on the Philadelphia Eagle backup defense, acting like it's some sort of a big deal. I mean, you know, toot your horn while you play the backups because now you've got a tough matchup in the San Francisco 49ers. But good for you, Cowboys fans. You finished 12-5, and five, and I guess in hindsight, it's good because if you lose, you play the Cardinals again. Uh, and they just beat you in Dallas, so do you want a repeat of that? Uh, and then finally, the Chiefs won on Saturday, but it was an ugly win. Denver up for a lot of this game early, went into halftime with the lead, went into the fourth quarter with the lead. Uh, the thing that changed it, the 86-yard fumble return, for a touchdown for the Chiefs, which was an ugly game, escaped with a win. Patrick Mahomes, your leading rusher, which you can't have. Tyreek Hill a little dinged up as well. Uh, this is a team I'm nervous about having a two-seed. Don't get that extra rest. We'll see what happens with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now getting into the coaching uh, moves. The two coaches I thought would be fired did. Vikings fired their head coach Mike Zimmer and general manager Spielman. The Chicago Bears fired their head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace. Good move. I mean, Vikings to me have the talent. Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Thielen. Justin Jefferson ain't going to be on his rookie deal forever. You're going to have to pay him the defensive-minded coach of Mike Zimmer, whose defenses used to be good, past two years haven't. Time for a new change. But to me, it is a desirable job because they have a lot of good pieces, young pieces in that offense and that team. As Can we build a culture with a new head coach? And is Kirk Cousins our guy? Is con artist Kirk our man? I don't think so. But that'll be a job for the next head coach. So I wasn't surprised he was fired. Bears fire Matt Nagy. Uh, this is a great move because he's shown he can't develop a quarterback uh, shown that with Mitchell Trubisky early this year with Justin Fields. Uh, Matt Nagy has shown no skills at all to do that. So, you know, you had a great rookie season. Matt Nagy, where you won coach of the year, were 12-4. and four. But then if anybody fell off a cliff, it was definitely you and the way you coached and played. So uh, just bad all around from... Uh, them. The surprising fire, though, was the Miami Dolphins firing Brian Flores. He was 24 and 25 in three seasons as the Dolphins head coach. The first year, you know, wasn't good, but it's the Dolphins. Last year, you were one game out from missing the playoffs in your Dolphins. This year, again, you're the Dolphins, and you're one game out from missing the playoffs. But there's a lot of good teams in the AFC, and I know the goal is to make the playoffs, but it's the defense is good. You know, Tua's had some up and down games, but do I think the coach is a move? Do I think Miami could beat Tennessee? No. They got beat 34-3. to Kansas City? No. Buffalo? Buffalo beat them twice this year. Cincinnati? No. Las Vegas? No. New England? They beat New England. That's the only playoff team. 
Pittsburgh, maybe. Indianapolis, no, maybe. So they do have to get a little better. I don't think it, the coaching move was the right one. I was surprised, especially you know when you finish the season out eight and one, like I said, where if you fire a coach, why not fire him at one and seven? But then he goes eight and one in his final nine games, and then that's the move you decide to do to fire him um, right there. So again, very surprising. Who do you replace? General manager, who's a Michigan alum. Ross said he's not going to target Jim Harbaugh, wants him to stay at Michigan. So now who do you get to replace Brian Flores? I think it's a bit intriguing. I don't think you fire Brian Flores unless you already have someone in mind. I wouldn't just fire what I think is a great coach, uh, you know, to hire somebody of same or less value. So very surprising decision, uh, at least by my terms, to fire him. Now I'm going to get into my top five teams in the NFL. And to me, the fifth team, I went back and forth between like three teams, you know, for the uh, five spot in my rankings. It was Buffalo, uh, Cincinnati, the Rams, and like Dallas. And I'm not in love with any of those teams. I think there's, you know, four cut, you know, premier teams in the NFL. And the fifth team was like, who do I put there? So I put the Buffalo Bills there. But they've had a roller coaster ride with Josh Allen. But you take a deeper dive that, hey, they're top five offensively. They're top five defensively. You know, number one defense in terms of yards, two in terms of scoring. So you got to like what you see there, even if they're not great against the rush even if Josh Allen has some few wacky games. But when they piece it all together, it's a dangerous team. However, this year, they haven't pieced it all together. That's why they're eleven and six, you know, and not twelve and five or, you know, thirteen and four like some other of the better teams in the league. Number four, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm worried about this Chiefs team, especially how I saw them play against uh Denver and kind of the health of Tyreek Hill. You know, it's the running game. You know, the defense has been all right recently, but Drew Locke was able to run on this defense. So when they face, you know, good teams, how will they fare? I think the first round matchup, Pittsburgh, I saw that story a few weeks ago, 36 to 10, not worried. I'm worried for the next few rounds. Tennessee Titans beat the Chiefs. Buffalo Bills beat the Chiefs. Cincinnati beat the Chiefs. Those are the teams I'm concerned about you know, in the divisional and conference championship game is against the better teams. I'm not sold on the Chiefs yet, but I look at Patrick Mahomes in fourth in yards this season. You know, this offense that is third offensively in terms of yards, you know, has been great, you know, fourth passing. To me, this is still an elite offense, even if it has some flaws. I like the Kansas City Chiefs and what Patrick Mahomes brings to the table. Number three, the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans get the one seed in the AFC. So to me, they have to be the three and at least the top AFC team I list because they've beat the Chiefs this year. They've beat the Bills. They've beat a lot of playoff teams. Uh, They were able to withstand the loss of Derrick Henry for half of the season and do a pretty decent job, I thought, you know, which was expected for Tennessee to do without Derrick Henry. 
They do it. They clinch the one seed. Now they get him back. That only makes them very much dangerous. So through 18 weeks, what I've seen them play through, their tough beginning schedule with Derrick Henry, they were a top team. So it makes sense if they were to fall off against the same amount of competition without Derrick Henry. So I still like the Tennessee Titans. Number two, the Green Bay Packers. You might be thinking, whoa, they have the one seed. They have the best record. You know, they have tied for the best record. They're tied with the Bucks. Now you know where this is going. But I'm not sold on Green Bay, whose defense has dropped a lot since the beginning of the season, where, you know, they were top five, and now they're barely at top ten threshold. In Tampa Bay, you know, there's a few spots behind them, and we're only talking about a three-yard difference here, 328 uh, to 331 and in terms of points. Tampa Bay is a better scoring defense, so I guess I'm making my case for both here in the one and two. And then offensively as well, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. You know, this is a good offense. It's balanced with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So to me, this Green Bay Packers team is number two. Tampa Bay is number one. They're the defending reigning champions. Don't forget it. Tom Brady, your MVP. Book it. Number one in passing yards and touchdowns. This man is the bomb.com. The defense, like I said, is a decent unit. It's top 15 in a lot of categories. Uh, this offense, number two, uh, you know, 405 yards per game, the average. Only two offenses average over 400. The Cowboys and the Bucks. Bucks at 405. They have the number one passing attack. Only team to average more than 300 yards passing per game. This offense is elite. It's even better with Leonard Fournette, who's been great this year. This Tampa Bay team, to me, has to be the favorite. The GOAT is the GOAT. And I think we'll be looking at Tom Brady hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in a month. I'm looking forward to it. Those are my top five NFL teams. Through 18 weeks in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tennessee Titans, the Green Bay Packers, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now moving on to the NBA. Clay Thompson returned yesterday and you know got the roar from the crowd, the ovation. I mean, it was great to see Clay Thompson back in action starting you know, for this team, even though only play 20 minutes on a minute restriction, 17 points, second in points on the team, three of eight from three, seven of 18 from the field, not, you know, great spectacular numbers, but they were just good enough. They were good enough. Clay, who hasn't played since June of 2019, two and a half years, you know, he's back. This team looks good. I mean, now we're talking about can anyone beat this team now with Clay Thompson back? I don't know if it was, you know, it was great to see Clay back, you know, the Splash Bros back, and now they open with a win against a decent, good Cavs team. So, congratulations on Clay for making your return to the Golden State Warriors. But yesterday, the Nets almost lost to the Spurs, which was shocking. At home, 
Memphis Grizzlies beat the Lakers. Memphis has been red hot. 19 of 23 wins right there. LeBron, brilliant. You know, had a great uh, dunk. Ja Morant, one of himself. I mean, the firepower back and forth. However, just too much on the Grizzly side uh, for the Lakers to handle. So that gets into my top five teams in the NBA. Number five, the Milwaukee Bucks. And I know they're not number one in the East, uh, but when I think of this team, you think of the best teams in the East. You think of the Bulls right now, they're hot. The Brooklyn Nets, you know, do they have the best big three? The Milwaukee Bucks. And Milwaukee's beaten the Nets, you know, both times they played this year by a lot of points. Giannis seems to turn that engine on when he plays Kevin Durant. You know, they score a lot of points, 112 you know, which is more than the Bulls in their conference, the Nets, the Bucks. They score a lot. Their defense is good as well. So the Bucks are very formidable. Number four, the Utah Jazz. Another good team who hasn't been hit with COVID. Now they are. However, in the weather, they've lost two in a row since, you know, no Rudy Gobert, no Hassan Whiteside. How are they going to handle it? However, this is still a dangerous offensive unit that scores 115 points, has one of the best point differentials in the game. This Utah Jazz team is a real threat, and I don't think they're going anywhere. Uh, they were a threat last year. They are a threat this year. Number three, the Chicago Bulls. The number one team in the Eastern Conference. They just had their nine-game winning streak snapped, but DeMar DeRozan... Has been great. Uh, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine. I mean, this team has really played like a team where there's not just one elite superstar, one big ego. This is a team effort, great chemistry. It's reflected in their record 26 and 11 by their winning streak, the ability to score in crunch time, uh, to play close games, to win those games as well. The Chicago Bulls are a real team. However, there's two teams that separate themselves from a pack. Number two, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, a little wobbly right now. Their last 10 games are 6-4. and four. However, Chris Paul leads the league in assists. Devin Booker, since his return, has upped his three-point percentage as well. So this Phoenix Suns team is a tough out. They beat a lot of teams. They just lost to the Heat, who are a good team. But the Phoenix Suns are 30 and nine almost at the halfway point in the season. And they're one of the best teams, offensively and defensively. Number one is still the Golden State Warriors. To me, easily the best team in basketball, best defensive team. Uh, their opponents score 100 points a game. That's far better than anyone else. You know, they score 110 points per game. Uh, now you have the return of... Clay Thompson, you know, Steph Curry hasn't been as explosive as he was to start the season. I think Clay coming back will help him a lot be more explosive, just his team in general. Draymond Green has been great. Jordan Poole off the bench. So this team has so many weapons. Steve Kerr, a great, great coach. So I really do think this team has not a lot uh, to be afraid of. The Warriors, to me, are one of the best or the best team in the NBA. So those are my top five teams in the NBA. The Bucks, the Jazz at four, the Bulls at three, 
the Phoenix Suns at two, and then the Golden State Warriors at one. I'm going to pick one game tonight. That's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Charlotte Hornets. I'm rolling with the Milwaukee Bucks. I know uh, Milwaukee is the favorite by two points, even though the Charlotte Hornets, you know, are the uh, ESPN FPI favorite. Uh, the Hornets they score a lot of points to 115. However, they have a lot of defensive issues, and when they have nobody that can handle Giannis, I think it's going to be a long day for the Charlotte Hornets. I think. Milwaukee Bucks cruise through this bad defense of Charlotte. They score some points, but the Bucks are just too much to handle for them. And then last but not least, I'm doubling down on my pick of the national championship game tonight between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide. I said last week I'm picking, picking Alabama. Well, I am doubling down on that pick. Roll Tide. Bryce Young, I think, will have a tremendous day. The last game was 41-24 Alabama. I expect a score similar. I know it's a rematch a month away. But Alabama, when they're clicking, their offensive line has looked better. They've been able to protect Bryce Young. And Bryce Young just escaping the pocket, making uh, plays you know, with his legs or, you know, or as you think he's going to make a play with his legs, stretches the ball downfield with his arm. Jamison Williams, best wide receiver in football. This offense is very difficult to handle. And then the defense, Will Anderson, is going to get to Stetson Bennett. I mean, everybody wants to talk about Stetson Bennett as a true underdog. The performance he had against Michigan, I'm not buying it. I think Alabama still shows up. Nick Saban, Better coach than anybody is going to game plan this. And another thing as well, surprisingly still, as we move closer to this game, and Georgia's still two and a half point favorites. They're still 60 to 40 on them. A lot of people still think Georgia can win this game. I'm not giving Georgia any shot. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would bet my house on the Alabama Crimson Tide. I bet a lot on the Crimson Tide. That's how much I think of the Crimson Tide of this program, that they're going to win. And when Alabama wins this game, it's going to do two things. It's going to just gain more traction for recruits, for players in the transfer portal to come to Alabama because we're better. And then it's going to hurt Georgia, who thinks they're good. But, hey, now the thing is, you know, our recruiting pitches, we need you to beat Bama. We haven't done it yet, and it's like, I want to go to a team where I know it's going to win. Is it a psychological edge? What's the deal here? I'm going to Bama. Bama wins tonight, 6 o'clock ESPN. I'll be watching, rooting hard for Alabama. Yes, rooting interest because Michigan lost to Georgia. But still, I think Alabama is the better team. Alabama wins this game. Book it. I think they score 40-plus points in this game. And they hold Georgia to under 20. think it's a wipeout. Going Alabama big in this game. This has been Get Your Goat. Who do you think wins the national championship tonight? You rolling with the dogs or you roll tied? Talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.